0: 3, we are going to continue this evening reading the same portion of our text. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor, and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Last week we considered Uh, the first portion of this text, of course, in which we discovered a change in Naomi's view of her responsibility concerning Ruth. And just by uh, a quick review here to remind you of where we are in terms of this narrative of Ruth, where we've uh, come to at this point in our study. In verses 1 and 2, we see Naomi's entire attitude had changed concerning her responsibility or her part in helping Ruth. As indicated by her statement, Naomi's statement, in chapter 3, verse 1 when we contrast that with Naomi's statements in chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Turn again, my daughters, go your way. In that verse, Naomi goes on to explain how that she is unable to provide sons for her daughter-in-laws to marry, even if she were to have children at her age. And, you know, they'd have to wait until they were adults or grown before they could marry them. And so she's really saying, I have no way to help you. And then she says, I, I am very sorrowful that God has dealt so harshly with me for your sakes, and so just go back home. And that's what she's telling them to do. In chapter 1, Naomi stated here, of course, that there's nothing she can offer Ruth or or Orpah. Yet in chapter 3, verse 1, as we've just read, Naomi realized that she could point Ruth to the one who was able to help her. Verse 1 of chapter 3, she says, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Now, this is the same Naomi talking to the same Ruth, who in the first chapter just said, Go home. I have nothing to offer you. I cannot help you. I am, I am unable to provide anything for your benefit. Just go back home. Go back to your false gods. Go back to your people. Go back to your culture. Go back to your homeland. You know, you don't want to come with me. And so that's what Naomi is saying in chapter 1. But now look get the difference. Now she is saying, after she said, oh, they'll call me Mara. I am bitter, not Naomi. You know, I'm not joyful and bitter because the Lord had dealt bitterly with me and I can't help you there's nothing I can offer you verse one she says shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee and the noun rest as we saw on last week means a resting place so while Naomi could not provide rest for Ruth she is not saying now oh all of a sudden I, I have what you need no she still does not have what is necessary to help Ruth outside of her being able to point Ruth to the one who can help Ruth and so she says. Though I cannot provide rest for you, I can point you to Boaz, the one who can give you rest. And of course, we as Naomi are simply people who have found rest and have the opportunity to tell others they also can find this rest. Jesus stated in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the word rest here means revive. I will revive you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest, the word rest here means relief, unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus promised rest to all of those who, which he would reveal the Father, and in, in the previous verses he states that. There is rest in God's provision for us in Jesus Christ. He said- you are heavy laden, if you are burdened, he says, Come unto me. And 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 he says, I will give you rest. I will give you, I will revive you. You will find rest, you'll find relief unto your souls. In verse three we find Naomi instructed Ruth. She said, Wash thyself and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. Ruth recognized here that Boaz was worthy of her all and her best, and Ruth did not put on a facade. If you recall last week, I tried to point out to you the importance of this. While Naomi tells Ruth to bathe herself, to wash herself, and then to anoint herself, Naomi never tells Ruth to go try to make herself look differently than she really was. She doesn't say, oh, go fix yourself up in a way to where, you know, you'll really appeal, uh, be appealing to Boaz. No, she says, just present yourself in an appropriate manner to Boaz. This is not about putting on a facade. It's not about putting on a bunch of makeup so that she can look good for Boaz. No, it's about presenting herself in a proper manner. And it's interesting here because she's not attempting to make herself appear differently than she already did appear. And so it's not some hypocrisy. It's not some front or facade that she is putting on. And also, we need to remember that in this case, that Ruth neither is trying to uh, cultivate... uh, a, a desire for her from Boaz. In other words, it's not as though she's trying to produce something or make Boaz uh desire to know her more or what or, or what have you, because Boaz has already initiated this grace. Boaz has already initiated this love. Boaz has already provided for her. Boaz is already interested in her. And she's recognizing from the kindness, the comfort, the provision, the grace that has been shown to her that. She recognizes Boaz is worthy of her all. Boaz is worthy of her best. And so she presents herself in a following manner as Naomi had instructed. I reminded you last week that the Lord is not interested in appearances. Not only does the Lord not desire for us to present ourselves in some superficial or religious manner, but he condemns such hypocrisy. In Matthew 15, 7 and 8, Jesus said, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus not only does not, it's not only that there is no desire for us to present ourselves in some religious, cleaned up manner, hims us putting on some facade. He condemns us coming in some hypocritical manner. But neither does that mean that we are not to recognize his worth and come to him in a, in a presentable way. That we should approach him as he is worthy to be approached. We should come to him in, in, a, in, a, in humility in and adoration of who he is. Boaz was the one who initiated this relationship, not Ruth. However, Boaz's grace towards Ruth It had such an impact and effect on Ruth that she now desired to be where he was. So tonight, we will examine Ruth's response to Naomi's instruction as we see this portion of this narrative where in this portion we see where and how. Verse 4 through 6 again. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet. And lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother in law bade her. Now, there are several statements within these verses, specifically verse 4, which reveal to us the desire and the humility of Ruth regarding her view and her respect and reverence for Boaz. First of all, I want you to see it in verse 4 how that Ruth marked the place at the feet of Boaz. The scripture tells us that she marked the place Boaz could be found. Verse 4a, this was the instruction and the scripture goes on to say that she said she would do this and then that she did do this in verses 5 and 6. So in verse 4, it shall be, Naomi says to Ruth, he lieth down when Boaz lies down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. The verb mark means to take notice or to learn. And the verse Mark implies that, or the, the verb, I'm sorry, Mark implies that Ruth was to give attention to the place she would find Boaz. Naomi is saying, hey, Ruth, here's where you're going to find Boaz. He's going to be at the threshing floor. And then he, she says to Naomi, or Naomi says to Ruth, when you get down to where he is, this is where he's going to be. And when you arrive where he is, don't disturb him. Don't don't make your presence known among all the people. No, but you mark the place where he lies down. You acknowledge, you be mindful, you give attention to the place where you can spend time with Boaz. And not spend time with a bunch of other people, but to spend time alone with Boaz. That is part of what is being stated here. So she was told to mark this place. She was to give attention to the place she would find Boaz. Ruth was responsible to commit herself to the place where Boaz could be found. I am constantly perplexed at how many people are always looking to see or find places. And people attempt, if you think about it for a moment, people attempt to find Jesus in their prayers. They attempt to find Jesus in their traditions. They attempt to find Jesus in their churches. They attempt to find Jesus in their ministries while failing all the while to give the proper attention to the place in which we know we will see him and we will continually see him revealed, which is his word. Isn't it interesting? People want to find Jesus everywhere except the one place where he has revealed himself and God has revealed him in his own word, in the word of God. Ruth was only interested in being in the presence of Boaz, and she was marking this place. You know what I find, I think? I think it's much easier often to be involved actively doing something. It's much easier, it's much easier for us to often uh, say a quick prayer, if you will, just to say, oh, Lord, I need you, here I am. And there's nothing wrong with that in moments where that's the case without question. Many times, that's just the mentality of our prayer, or how we consider or view prayer. It's, it's easy to um, say, Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to church so I can meet with God. People are always looking for something other than the scriptures to see the revealed Christ. And I believe one of the reasons why is because when you really want to see Jesus in His Word, it requires a commitment to His Word. And that's something people just aren't so excited to do. And so she says, mark the place, give attention to the place. Might I say it to you like this? We should give attention to the Word of God and how Christ is revealed in and from His Word. This should be something that is a mark. We've marked this in our lives. We understand the importance of the Word of God. We understand the necessity of the Word of God. We understand that it is Christ who is revealed in the Word of God. So Ruth marked a place at the feet of Boaz. This is where she was going to go. This is where she'd been instructed. By the way, I might say this as well. While hopefully, as people enter into the doors of a building in which churches gather and meet, hopefully Christ is being proclaimed, hopefully. Prayerfully, Christ is being taught and preached from the Word of God. Hopefully, the Word of God is being proclaimed as it is contextually truthfully provided and and given out so that people can grow and see Christ as he is revealed in the word of God prayerfully hopefully that's the case but here's the reality of it in truth especially for someone who's an unbeliever it is much more important for us to point them to where we know Jesus has revealed his word than even point them to a ministry or to a church or to Do this or to do that, and to help them to see how Jesus is revealed through and in the Word of God. Second, I want you to see with me as we continue in verse 4 Ruth humbled herself at the feet of Boaz, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. When Ruth uncovered the feet of Boaz, she did so as a gesture of humility by letting Boaz know that she was present. She was not boisterous, she was not demanding. But she was quiet and humble as she approached Boaz. It was at the feet of Boaz that Ruth laid herself down. Remember with me what Naomi said. Do not make yourself known. Remember that? Mark the place he lays. Mark his spot that you can go where he is when he is by himself. Do not interrupt his drinking. Do not interrupt his eating. You mark where you can find him alone, where you can go to him Don't say, hey, here I am, I'm Ruth, I'm back, Boaz, look at me. No, you go quietly, you go humbly, you uncover his feet. This is something that required no talking. You go uncover his feet, you lay yourself down there, and he'll realize you're there. And it was also a gesture or an act of humility, because she is at his feet. She's just going to the the lowest part she could possibly go to be where he is in his presence, saying, I am humbly here but yet not making a sound. As we approach our Heavenly Father, we are to do so in humility. Our Lord explained this to His disciples when they asked Him to teach them to pray. In Luke 11, 1 and 2, which parallels Matthew 6, which is known as, of course, which we understand to be the model prayer. But in Luke 11, 1 and 2, it says, And it came to pass that as He was praying in a certain place, when He ceased, one of His disciples said unto Him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. Let me pause for a moment because I want to address this. Why would they not ask him this? Can you imagine if you were sitting there hearing our Lord pray to the Father? In our men's prayer time, we began looking at this, this passage, Luke 11 um, and Matthew 6, for, for some weeks. And during that time, I, was, I pointed out to them, I said, can you imagine this? Be- think about this for a moment. Jesus in his prayer had no personal agendas apart from the Father's will. He was not praying anything superficially. He was not praying anything selfishly. Can you imagine that? And here's disciples hear him praying to the Father. Why would they not say, Lord, teach us to pray? We need to learn how to pray. We need to understand that form of communication with the Heavenly Father that you have demonstrated and manifested. But then they go on to say, verse 2, Jesus said unto them, he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Here's what we find here. When Jesus says, when the disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray, he says, This is how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, it is obvious here, Our Father, which art in heaven. Jesus is showing them immediately that he is the heavenly Father, and that they are not where he is. He is sanctified. He is set apart unto himself. But at the same time, notice before he even says where the Father is, he says, pray our Father. So though there is this separation that existed between where the heavenly Father is and where the disciples were, They were connected to him by relationship. And our prayers are built upon a relationship. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Every other religion addresses their God with a title of lofty degree that separates the one praying from the one to whom they uselessly pray. Think about that for a moment. None of them call their God's Father. It's by their official titles or names or what they were known as. But yet it is not a personal relationship. Jesus taught us to pray, his disciples and us, understanding that our prayer is rooted, based, founded upon and begins with a relationship. As we pray, we are not separating ourselves from our God, but we are drawing near to our God. The basis of our prayers and their answers are grounded upon the foundation of our relationship to our Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 4 6, Paul wrote and said, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We approach the Lord, who is the high and lofty one, who inhabiteth eternity, not in fear as a peasant approaches the throne of a king. But we approach the high and lofty one as family. We approach the very Lord of glory, the creator of the universe, as a child would approach their father. Our prayer life, our prayers themselves, are built upon the relationship we have with the father through the Lord Jesus and our reverence for who he is. In other words, we can and should confidently approach our father with reverence. And here we see this play out, our Father. This is the confidence of the relationship that is present, that he has provided us through his Son, our Lord Jesus. Then he says, hallowed, our Father, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed means sanctify, make holy, our holy one. So we must understand this truth. Christ did not purchase God for us. Christ purchased us for God. We must understand that our prayer life is not there for our convenience. But rather is the connecting link we have to our Heavenly Father. It is our way to communicate with Him. So as Ruth confidently approached Boaz, she humbly laid at his feet. And so we are to confidently approach our Heavenly Father in humility. And we can do both. You can approach confidently while remaining humble. You can come with absolute confidence of knowing that he is your heavenly father and knowing that he hears your cries. And you can do so in humility. In Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, we've read these verses the last several weeks, I believe, but it, it's so fitting here again. seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, and the word boldly is with confidence. Let us come confidently under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be that name. We come with confidence, in humility, unto our Heavenly Father. And Ruth was doing the same thing. I don't believe for one moment that Ruth even questioned whether or not she would be rejected as she approached the feet of Boaz. She was confident because of the grace, because of the favor, the kindness, the provision of Boaz, she knew that he was going to accept her. She knew that she could go there in confidence, but confidence was not arrogance. She went humbly and went to the feet of Boaz, quietly, not making a scene, not saying, look, here I am. Here I am coming to see Boaz, or drawing, trying to attempt to draw Boaz's attention away from those he was dealing with at the moment. But she comes, marks the place, knowing where she can spend time with Boaz, then humbly approaches him quietly and lays herself down at his feet. In doing so, Ruth is literally submitting herself to Boaz. She went there for help. She went there to learn more of him, as we'll see in a moment. She went there to grow closer in this relationship with him because of what he had initiated and begun on her behalf. And she went there confidently, no doubt, in humility, submitting to him. This was not about her. It was about him. And the reason she approached him had nothing to do with confidence in who she was or what she had done or what she could offer Her confidence was in the character of the man who'd already been gracious to her. And she says, he's been gracious to me before. He'll be gracious to me again. Might I say to you that even in our prayer as we come unto the Lord, as we would come to the word of God humbly and in prayer, as we would approach him, whether it be in prayer or whether it be in the word as he is revealing himself to us, Let us remember it is never about us. And we are really unworthy. Even as believers, we are still unworthy in and of ourselves. It is the worth and character of our Redeemer by which we are granted access. And we are given a place. Third, Ruth found instruction at the feet of Boaz. Look at verse 4. goes on to say, uncover his feet, lay thee down. And the next statement, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Ruth was found at the feet of Boaz. The scriptures explain the importance of being at the feet of our Lord. Coming to the place where we know we can meet him. Coming to the place where we can spend time alone with him. Coming to the place, marking that, acknowledging it, learning this is where I need to be. This is where I need to stay. Humbly approaching the Lord, saying, Lord, I know I'm not worthy, but yet... Your character is the basis upon which I come. It is your grace, it is your comfort, it is your kindness, it is your provision that has provided me this opportunity and therefore I can come in confidence, not because of me, but because of you. And it's at his feet, it's in his word, it's where he is found, it's where he has revealed himself to be that we find instruction. In Luke 10:38 through 42 we find an account in which Jesus points out and explains the importance of being and remaining at his feet. In Luke 10:38 we read now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus feet and heard his word. Oh wait a minute. She's at his feet doing what? Hearing his word. She is learning from him and also learning of him. Where does she do this? At his feet. The place he has revealed his presence. The place he has chosen to be at that moment. And now she comes there and she sits at his feet and hears his word. But Martha, verse 40, was cumbered about much serving and came in or came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now understand, it was not bad that Martha was serving. We should be serving. But Mary understood it was more important for her at that moment to be at the feet of Jesus, where she could spend time alone with him, and where she could hear from him, learn of him as he spoke it is important that we recognize the importance and the necessity for marking the place understanding and learning where we have time with the lord i don't mean a geographical location or a place a room in your house no i'm talking about the word of god i'm not even talking about the, the gathering of the body The Word of God is where He has revealed Himself. That is where we need to be. And if you want to see Jesus, if you want to know His will, if you want to be rooted and grounded in truth, then you must go to His Word and then live out the truth of that which you learn and in that which you grow. It's not just about knowledge. It's about learning not only from the Lord, but learning of the Lord, learning who He is. And then submitting to him as we are at his feet. By, by the way, again, at his feet is absolutely representative or a representation of humbly submitting to him. It's not laziness. It's not passivity. It's not saying, okay, we'll just sit around and just learn something. No, sitting at his feet is a place where we are submitting to his lordship. We are humbly coming before him saying, Lord, we... Depend, rely upon you. We need you. Verses 5 and 6 of Ruth chapter 3. And she said unto her, Ruth saying to Naomi, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Ruth did exactly as Naomi instructed, recognizing the importance of getting to Boaz and finding rest and instruction at his feet. This was the resting place. That did not mean that Ruth no longer worked it. It didn't mean that now she just had her life made easy of her. No, it means that she was finding the provision that was necessary as it would unfold in the days ahead. She was finding everything that she desired, everything she looked for, everything she lacked, she was finding provided for her in and through and by Boaz. So she has found a place of rest. That does not mean that Mary never served. It does not mean that Ruth never served or labored. But it means that they were able to both go out and serve and labor with the joy of having learned of the Redeemer from him and of him no better place for us to be than at the feet of Jesus. That doesn't mean just sitting in a church building listening to preaching. That is not what's being implied here. It is a place of hunger and desire to know Christ and to know Him more and to know where we go to learn more of Him and to see Him more clearly which is His Word. And to be at his feet, which means we are humbly bowing ourselves, saying, I am nothing. You are everything. So teach us, Lord. We are here to learn of you. We are really here to learn from you. And then we are to go out in obedience. and lives being lived in submission to what you have taught us. There is no better place be at the feet of Christ. For it's at his feet that we, as Ruth, did at the feet of Boaz. We find comfort, we find instruction, and we find rest, a resting place at the feet of Christ. May we understand the importance of what it is to be, to remain at his feet, a place of learning, a place of growing, a place of submission to Him. Father, we thank You.